it's your girl Fleur East here and welcome back to the reality of reality TV. This is the one place that we give you all the tea on your favorite reality TV shows. So here we go. Hi everybody, Vicky Patterson here, Queen of the Jungle, and I'm here to tell you all about my realities of reality TV. For this week's episode, I caught up online with Vicky Patterson, who made her name on Geordie Shaw. Now, if you've never watched Geordie Shaw, it's basically a fly-on-the-wall reality TV show that follows the lives of housemates living and partying in Newcastle. After that, she then went on to win I'm a Celebrity. She was a Master Chef finalist. You may have also seen her on X on the Beach, and she's appeared on loads of other shows as well. Now, I really wanted to talk to her because I love her, and I knew that she'd give us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. God, it's hot the day, isn't it? I'm sweating me tits off. <laughs> I love it. So I'm very, very, very pleased to be joined by this lovely lady, probably one of the most real, down-to-earth, genuine people in the reality TV circuit, Vicky Patterson. Oh, hello. Thank you. That was really nice. That was a nice little intro. <laughs> well, I'm very honoured to be on. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for joining me. So obviously it all started with Geordie Shaw. Yep. <laughs> Since then, I mean, we've had X on the Beach. Oh, God. We've had Judge Geordie. Yeah. We've had I'm a Celebrity UK and <laughs> Australia. Why? I'm so greedy, Fleur. Celebrity Hunted. <laughs> Vicky Patterson, The Breakup. Celebrity MasterChef. Celebrity Coach Trip. I mean, there's probably a few that I've missed out. No, no, I feel like as far as like reading resumes go, you've, you've absolutely <laughs> smashed it there. I forgot I actually did some of them. So well done. Lovely little <laughs> trip down memory lane for us. I've been busy. You've done a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? I love reality TV, Blur. I know for most people it's probably a bit like a guilty pleasure or whatever um but like I've got no there's no shame in my game like absolutely zero guilt about how much I love doing reality tv about how much I love watching it about how much I just think it's a great thing that's happened no no shame at all I love it you kind of you just burst onto the scene on Geordie Shaw yeah but what I want to know is what led you to going on that show? Because, like, for example, you've got I'm a celebrity only comes about, I guess, when you've got a name. And then, for example, you've got shows like X Factor where you go on primarily because you want to get a recording contract. But something like Julie Shaw, I've always been like intrigued to know what was it that motivated you to, to go on it in the first place? I was, I'm 32 now, right? And I was 22 when I started doing Geordie Show wow. 10 years ago, mate. So the landscape was, you've got, like, you've got to understand, a lot different to what it is now with things like Love Island and X on the Beach and various different Netflix shows. The reality TV market is completely oversaturated. Well, some people might say that. I think we've got just enough. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows what to expect from reality TV now. Um, and to a certain extent, like we've seen it all. Um, it's very hard to shock the British public these days. Yeah. But um, when Geordie Shaw first burst onto the screens, and that is literally the only way to describe like the way we started, it was all a fairly new concept. I think Towie and Maiden Chelsea had just started, but they were very different. It was it was very constructed. It was very it was loosely reality, whereas. Geordie Shaw was just 110% unregulated, mad reality. And 
to answer your question, like I just didn't really know what I was getting into. Like there wasn't really a point of reference. Like there was Jersey Shore, but you never know what is involved in making something like that, how much is real, how much was orchestrated. So yeah, so I was 22, fresh out of uni, had all these high hopes for my life and had just got myself into a little bit of a rut. Was working in bars and nightclubs, was going out with rubbish men and um, living in, living back with me mom. Mm. I didn't expect my life to be like that. So when they started casting for Geordie Shaw, um, and all they did, you know, is like they used to send people out on nights out with little like cards, like, have you got what it takes? And they'd like look around to see who was like, see who was a bit of a face in town, see who looked like they were causing trouble, see who looked like they were a bit of a personality. Like that's how they cast it. Um, and I was just working in bars and nightclubs, like little, I was on the VIP rope and I just got talking to them. And it just completely went from there. So honestly, I didn't think about it much. I just knew I didn't like what I was doing. I knew I wanted something else. I knew I wanted more. Um, And I had no clue what I was letting myself in for. See, that's what I love. I love the the pure honesty. There's no, oh, yeah, well, I thought it would be, oh, yes. You know, you're not calculating your answers. (laughs) When I was watching Geordie Shaw right at the beginning, because I'll never forget when it first came on TV and I was like, oh, what's this? And like you say, there wasn't a lot of reality TV like that. My first thing was like, okay, I'm lost in translation here because obviously (laughs) you're predominantly from Newcastle or thereabouts and I didn't understand a lot of the slang or a lot of the words. So I was always like listening out and trying to like translate it all. But what stood (laughs) out to me with you in particular, and I'm not sure if many people have said this to you, but what stood out for me is you had various different people on the show having their little chat to camera going, oh yeah, we were getting mortal and da da da. And then you'd come on and you'd be like, yeah, I was slightly inebriated. And I'd be like, whoa, what? Like I'd be going on dictionary.com. I used to watch you and get my word of the day. You have such a broad, extensive vocabulary. Oh, honestly, it was, that's so funny you bring that up. So obviously I'd been to uni. I was slightly older than the rest of the girls. Like you think back and like little Holly, man, God, she was just 18 when she'd started and now as as an adult like three four years it's absolutely nothing like the six years between me and my partner would barely notice it someone's 18 and someone's 22 like holly thought i was a mum, and i think like having gone to uni having been like quite well read i have a i have actually a, a passion for the spoken word the written word like i'm just a bit of a geek um so yeah so the minute i was in that interview space yes i swore Yes, I shouted, like, I am still me, but I was able to articulate myself well. And it was probably why I ended up, and not to say that everyone else didn't have amazing green screen moments, that's what you call it, but I essentially narrated it, and the producers loved getting us in there. In a bit like the same way, David Attenborough can watch some baby seals and just be like, right, I'm going to narrate the sh** out of this. I can do it with drunk Geordie people. Like, that was my thing. <laughs> it was good to be able to to have that purpose. And it meant that even when I was a bit boring on Geordie Shaw, I always had a, a reason to be featured. Because um, it's a lot like there's eight to 11 cast members all the time, and they're all huge personalities, and, like, there's all various things going on. So sometimes you do get a bit lost. I almost had, like, enjoyed the responsibility of trying to elevate it slightly with some of my vocab. 
I remember I used ostentatious once. Ooh. And the producer I was like, no one's going to know what that means. We're not putting it in. I was like, put it in. Put it in. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So you were kind of like on the side of the production at the same time as contributing to the show. Oh, uh, yeah. Honestly, like, like we, I speak to loads of the producers still. And like, you have to be a very patient and hardworking person to work on Geordie Show because we were exactly as we appeared. We were young, we were unruly, we were so naive to what we were creating mm. um, and ignorant to sort of like the level of exposure that was going to come from it. But I still speak to them now and they always say like, yeah, you were more on the production side than you were the cast. I think especially by the end, I'd become quite a boring old cow in terms of Geordie Shaw, I think. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? What do you mean? Um, so... Must have been like 26, maybe 27 when I left. Like Geordie Shaw years are like dog years. <laughs> Even though I, I was probably like 80 in terms of like the reality TV, the Geordie Shaw side of it. Um, and everyone wanted to still like bed hop and bar hop and drink till they threw up. I didn't. Like I absolutely didn't anymore. I wanted a really nice boyfriend and I wanted to wake up in a house that didn't have used makeup wipes all over the floor. <laughs> Not even my sick, someone else is sick in a bin. I just thought that was like a, a perfectly reasonable desire for like someone in their late twenties. I knew I wanted to leave. I'd outgrown it as a format, but I was scared. Geordie Shaw didn't present the same opportunities initially that a show like The Only Way is Essex did. Like, we watched, like, people from the Only Way is Essex go on the jungle or go on, like, mainstream shows, like, this morning all the time. Um, but we didn't have the same doors opening for us. We were just that little bit more controversial. Mm. So, yeah, so I was scared to go, feeling that there would be nothing there for me outside of Geordie Shore. So I stayed probably a little bit longer than I wanted to. And I, I just I stopped drinking on a, a lot of the a lot of the nights out. It was it was a difficult time knowing that I was in the wrong place for where I was at. So I phased myself out slowly, I think. And uh, it, it was quite obvious towards the end that I, my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. But you've gone on to do so much since. And saying that those doors weren't open, I mean, you've opened all, you've probably kicked down a lot of the doors. Um, <laughs> I think I broke them down, Fleur. I don't think anyone was like, oh, she's, she's left Geordie Shore. Quick, let's get this door. <laughs> <laughs> what's the best thing about reality tv what's your favorite thing about it i love that reality tv can make um can make a like make a hero it normalizes a nice person being successful like mm. and in the same way with like jody Shaw, i think that was why it was so successful because everybody's fallen for the wrong boy before and been messed around haven't they like yep. and and everyone <laughs> has got too drunk on a night out and then had the worst BFA the next day. Like they could say that, like you watch it and you see elements of yourself and you relate and it normalizes how you're feeling. And also as well, like you just fall in love with these people because they're so bloody relatable. Yeah. And that's so nice. Like for years and years as a country, we've watched soaps and like, that's not normal life. Nah. Like they're just ludicrous. And it's so nice for you to turn on TV now and watch reality and sort of see things that people are going through and realise, oh, we all go through same stuff. It's nice. And we allow people to become successful for just being themselves. And I don't know, I've got a, I've got a real thing for that, sort of the everyday hero. Mm. And I think actually that's probably been 
really the main reason why you've done so well oh. because literally from Julie Shaw I mean you've made such a name for yourself it's almost like mentioning Julie Shaw feels like it's not even really part of you do you do you feel like that like you've moved on so far from it I think for a while I got super offended when everyone just kept calling us Vicky from Geordie Shaw mm. I'd like won the jungle I'd gone and done another series in Australia I'd been a loose woman I'd had like regular slots on this morning. Yeah. I was a Times best, like Times number one bestselling author. I had done all this stuff, mm. yet I was just pigeonholed as Vicky from Geordie Shaw. And it it used to really frustrate us. I'm slightly older now, um, and less stuff bothers us. I'm I'm very relaxed. Yeah. And and I get it. Like I, I was synonymous with the show because I was on it for so long. There'll always be a part of us that's incredibly grateful to Jodie Shaw for providing us the platform to do all the amazing things that I've done since. Um, but there'll always be another part of us as well that is frustrated that I'll always be linked to it. I'm not, I, I don't regret the show, but it, it also was super tough for me sometimes. Um, it's a really intense format. You're away from your friends and family for a very long time. There's a lot of alcohol, which of course, like we all know, there's downsides, the hangovers, the anxiety. Mm. Sometimes it was a really unhealthy environment for us. So to be constantly reminded of that time, which I've not only outgrown, but I think I've surpassed, sometimes frustrates us. But then I, I just think, well, let's not be ungrateful. Let's get a little bit of perspective. You are young. It was years ago. It's provided you, it's got you where you are now. Yeah. But um, I will always continue to strive to be known as something else. And, and, just just try and continue to grow. That's all we can do as, as humans. <laughs> exactly. So we've heard your favourite thing about reality TV and you told me when you gave me your realities that in reality TV, nothing is private. Because of the nature of the shows I've done and essentially how I've grown up, like 22, you're not grown. Ultimately, you are putting together who you want to be in your 20s. That's what that's for. You are a forging, a forging an identity. Um, I created myself, like I forged my identity in front of the camera, the public eye, basically. Mm. I lived so much of my life, like starts of relationships, breakups, happy moments, sad moments, everything in front of a camera that I have real intimacy issues, so to speak. So I don't know what shouldn't be shared and what should. So often on social media, like I will say far too much and I'll get a call from my agent and she's like, you don't have to verbalise like every thought, Vicky. Like you don't you don't have to tell everyone that you had your period this week. <laughs> That's how I've grown up. Like I'm so used to telling everybody everything and having no secrets that the lines are blurred. Like I don't know what people shouldn't know about me. Hmm. And to a certain extent, everyone knows everything about me I've kept nothing for myself mm -hmm. for example like I, I had I went through a bit of a tough personal time a couple of years ago was meant to be getting married relationships sort of broke down and it was really hard but like I chose to make a tv show out of that mate I don't know how you did that well I say it chose it was meant to be a wedding show and I was halfway through filming I was contracted up with the eyeballs and all the rest of it and I had no choice but to continue making something but yeah, so I've got no right to, after I make shows like this, after I let TV shows in, after I let everyone in on social media, to then go, oh no, hang on, I found someone new now, when I found Erkan, and um, I want so I want a couple of months on my own. Like, I want to work out if he's nice. I want to work out what this actually is before everyone has an opinion. I can't, I can't have that. 
because I've blurred the lines so much. I've allowed people in so much that then I don't just get to say, oh, stop. They're invested. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard thing. No one went to stop sharing and knowing what actually should be for you and what other people are entitled to know. Yeah. Like there's no two Vicky Pattersons. There's not like Vicky Patterson when the door closes and Vicky Patterson when a camera's rolling. It's just me. And it's it's quite difficult sometimes to have anything for yourself when you've already given so much. So yeah, so that for me is the hard part, Fleur. Like just no no privacy, none at all. And I know I'm I'm <laughs> I've made the rod for my own back. I've made my own bed. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not mad. I'd be have to be mad at myself. It's hard as well when that's kind of what has forged your career. That's that's been your success, is you being so open, like I said at the start of this. But do you ever like get to the point where you're like, oh, I just kind of want to break away from this now. I don't want to share so much or I kind of wish that I w this wasn't my job. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm dead, dead grateful for everything I've got. And I'm so aware of, yeah. of, of how I've got it. I won the jungle because the public got behind me. Mm -hmm. I have a nice house because the public like me. I get to take my mum on holiday because the public like me. I'm never once going to say, like, I've had enough of this. <laughs> I've had mm. enough of you liking me. Mm. But there are times when you think, it, 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 in particular, when I was first going out with her, can my partner now, yeah. like, there were some moments, Fleur, where I was like, we couldn't go out anywhere, like, without there being a pap and everyone having an opinion. Mm. Oh, she's moved on too quick. Or, oh, he's in, oh, here she goes again. She'll be crying in six months. And, oh... He's just going to use her, like, it was so hard to have been so hurt only months before and be trying to put my life back together and have everyone have that opinion. That's probably one of the worst times in my life where I've just thought, like, I just wish I wasn't in the public eye. I wish I could have a moment to have something before everyone else has got it. But really and truly, the pros outweigh the cons. And like you said, there's so many positives to it, like your career, the fact that you can treat the people you love around you with all your success, like it's worth more than the little negativity that comes with it. Oh, that's honestly, took the words right out of my mouth. Like, that's what I always tell people. I always say like, everyone's allowed a little whinge. Like I don't care whether you're like, <laughs> yeah. working down the mines, if you're in a corner shop, if you're a teacher, if you're an NHS nurse, we are all allowed to have a little bit of a whinge because having a hard day, it's subjective. Yeah. Like on my hard day, like someone writes something nasty about us and I get a bit sad. But I also, um, I'll never not acknowledge how lucky I am and super grateful. Definitely more positives than negatives in this game. Another one of your realities is that in the jungle, no one gives you food when you're hungry. In the jungle, nobody is giving you a sly Mars bar. Fleur whinged she was hungry, or I, I started crying because I, I had like a case of the belly hungers. Any of this, you have to stop thinking that, and then a producer just chucks a Mars bar when the cameras aren't rolling, or I get a bag of Doritos because I've whinged. It doesn't happen. If you're hungry, you are hungry. It's the jungle. <laughs> but with with regards to other reality TV, so for example, I don't know what it's like to do something like Judy Shaw or to even film the show you did about your wedding and your breakup. So with regards to that, what is real in that? Because a lot of people look at those shows and go, oh, come on, this guy proposed to her, whatever. Like they were even in love. They blatantly did that for the TV. Um, so I can only speak from my experience so my experience is Geordie Shaw, Sex on the Beach. 
it's you, you, there's a lot there but <laughs> honestly I'm so old when you list the when you really reeled off the list like that and as well when I'm looking at myself on this like zoom link and I'm seeing I'm just like you raisin faced old woman like I have been through the TV mill <laughs> damn it oh I want to be young again not right um I think, so yeah, so I've not done Towie, for example, or Made in Chelsea. And I happen to know, just because I'm friends with loads of the people who have done that, it is slightly more constructed. Um, but whereas with Geordie Shaw, um, it's more like Bigger Brother. You live in a house with eight, nine, whatever, other housemates for four to six weeks. You've got no phone. You're not allowed to speak to your family unless you ask to make a call. And it's recorded. And if anything you say on that call is then deemed TV worthy, it will just go in the show, regardless if it's private. It's really hard to remain, to see it as a job when it's like that. It's not a job, it's your life. And you're, you're ultimately forming relationships with these people. You're living with them. Like you're in this bubble and it is so immersive. You You can't help but get lost in it. You do, you get lost in Geordie Shaw. So there are things. So say, for example, like if I was on a night out, I was in Bijou, I'm three vodka rebels in, um, they will just go over, you're going to have a conversation with Gary about Charlotte. That element is not real. I wouldn't sit and talk to Gary. <laughs> Full stop, do you know what I mean? <laughs> in that sense, yeah, there's elements that are less than organic. But no, like Charlotte loved Gary. Polly loved James. Mm. I was engaged to Ricky. <laughs> why <laughs> it was just young so yes it's everything I felt every tear I cried every argument I had every laugh I laughed it was real really real and it's why like it's so explosive Geordie Shaw because it's running on real emotions um and real people like and again, probably why it was so popular, but also why it can be so detrimental for your mental health. I think if you stay in something like that a bit too long, it's just a hard game, something like that. So, um, yeah, uh, I am busting that myth now. Like some reality shows, maybe there's a little bit of um, orchestrating going on, but Geordie Shaw, what you say is what you get, unfortunately. I would love to blame producers. I would love to say, God, I never did that. I was just told to do that. I'm not an arsehole. No, I was an arsehole. (laughs) (laughs) So refreshing to hear that. This really magic shift happened when everyone's seen us in the jungle. Because like I said, I'd lost my way slightly on Geordie Shaw. The Jungle was my way of being able to show the nation like what I really was like. Like 100 hours of footage goes into 42 minutes of a Geordie Shaw show. So for 99 hours and 18 minutes, is that the right maths? I'm no Carol Vorderman, is that the right one? I could be like sitting, having a green tea, reading a book, being compassionate, being kind, chatting about the weather, just doing loads of normal, boring, unreality-worthy stuff. Um, But that's not going to get in the show, is it? So people just thought I was constantly loud, uh, constantly rowing, constantly drunk. Um, And, of course, like, an opportunity like the jungle to actually show everybody, like, oh, hang on, 
You know what I mean? Like I can be a team player and I can be super supportive and kind and fun and outgoing. And you know what I mean? I'm just not, I'm not always like slut dropping with a vodka rebel in my hand. Like it was a really lovely um, opportunity for me. So once that happened and the public were able to see us in a different light, a, a, probably a far more accurate light, everything changed for And I've honestly had so many really lovely years um, in the limelight and I, I can't, we all have knocks, we all have bad stories, we all have like trolls or whatever, but ultimately across the board, the last couple of years, the, the like support I've received has, has been really overwhelming and I do feel very fortunate. I'm probably jinxing it now, I'll come off this and there'll be some sort of terrible story of the Daily <laughs> Mail of Littad or something, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess because you've lived out of your life through reality TV, it would seem that through talking to you today that you've had to sacrifice quite a lot. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like you've had to sacrifice it or does it feel just like normal to you? I think like sometimes when I look at like my friends' lives and stuff and I look at like the difference between mine, like I've got pals who are on their third kid, like married, <laughs> Ray yeah. Burns, nice house, still happy there's like a part of me that when I see how comfortable and content they are with their lives, like I th I think would that have been me if I'd chosen a slightly different path? Like if I'd just stayed with me high school boyfriend and helped him save up to get those alloys for his Ford Focus and kept me job at like, <laughs> would I be where they are now? And, and would I just be a really happy person, content and all the rest of it? And then I think, well, actually like, regardless of the reality tv element i was always going to want something more like i i was always going to be really career driven um and i was always going to be ambitious just this was just the avenue i took it was the vehicle i chose to get us there like i never wanted to be famous Fleur. i wanted to be rich mm. and i've got like no shame admitting that at all if i was a man saying it i'd just get patted on the back yeah <laughs> Some reason when a woman says it, it's deemed ugly. Well, I've got no shame. So true. I wanted to be rich and I chose reality TV as the vehicle to help get us there. So I don't think I've missed out on anything. I think I, I get what I've got what I wanted out of life. I've done some stuff, Fleur. <laughs> like, I look back on now and I think, oh, that's all. <laughs> that is so like I just wish you hadn't done that. But I read somewhere that. Like, ultimately, all those things you've done, they've, they've made you become the person that you are now. And, like, I am quite proud of the woman I'm becoming. Mm. She's, like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm nice. Like, I've got loads of nice friends. I work hard. I've got a lovely boyfriend. My mum seems pretty proud. Like, I think if I'd done anything different, maybe I wouldn't be who I am now. And, yeah, she's, like, she's okay. Vicky, Vicky Patterson's okay now. We, we like her. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. I think she's a bit of all right. <laughs> For any... um young girls or any anyone in the younger generation that maybe have watched you on Geordie Shore, watched all of those moments that you're not too proud of and kind of maybe took that as, oh yeah, that's what I need to do to, to get to where she is or maybe I should follow in her footsteps. Like, is there anything you'd want to highlight or is there a particular moment that you, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to dwell on it to be negative, but just so, just to kind of like, show the reality of it is there a particular situation that you've watched on tv or that you deeply feel regret over like you think oh I wish I wish I didn't do that and please don't take that as as a positive example so I could tell 
where this conversation was going and I, I, it was getting deep and I just want to let you all know that my under boobs are sweating like I'm nervous <laughs> that's that is where I get my uh that's where I get my anxiety sweat so just to give you all more truths there um I think when you're in your early 20s like you make mistakes that's what your 20s are for and if you don't make them then you'll just end up like making them in your 40s and it's just not as cool. <laughs> um, I'm a firm believer that you can never be old and old and wise if you've never been young and daft. And I was incredibly young and daft. I didn't do anything, for the most part, that other twenty-somethings weren't doing. It just was mine was shown to millions of people every week. Mm. I read somewhere once that uh, you should never ever sacrifice respect for attention. I did that in Geordie Shaw a couple times, unintentionally. Like, in the same way I was mentioning earlier, like, um, when you are so immersed in something, lines just get blurred and you lose a sense of yourself. I became me, but a caricature of myself, lost in trying to be what I thought everyone wanted us to be, this really outrageous person. I wish I'd never had sex on the telly. Like, I absolutely wish. I was never comfortable with this. It was something I felt slightly pressured into doing. To any young girls who aspire to have careers in reality TV, like, that is the advice I would give them. Number one, be yourself, because absolutely everyone else is taken. Mm-hmm. The most successful people, Joey Essex, Mark Wright, like, Chloe Sims, whoever you want to look at, like, within worlds of like traditional reality TV, when they've been successful is when they've been themselves. So mm-hmm. that would be the first one. And second would just never, ever sacrifice respect for attention. You do not have to compromise who you are in order to be successful. And you don't have to be like over the top, outrageous, rude, mean, like anything. Like mm-hmm. actually the people I like most, the people who do the best in the jungle, people like yourself, people like Harry Redner, they're the nicest ones. So yeah, don't don't get lost in creating an image or being something that you think people want to see just be you Uh, good honest advice thank you thank you (laughs) but I remember like going on so my two reality experiences were quite different so I remember going into X Factor and kind of like the idea of therapy or having like support wasn't really talked about like it wasn't even offered necessarily it was just kind of like you just went into it you did your thing and then before I went into the jungle, we had a whole psych valuation. We were told that there was therapy whenever we needed it. And I was like, oh, this is different. Like, did you feel that that shift as well? Did you always feel that that was there for you when you were in your experiences? This is, you know, what I'm about to say sounds a little bit controversial and I don't mean it to sound deep. I personally believe Geordie Shaw worked best when we were vulnerable. The nature of the show worked best when the young people on it were vulnerable. Yeah. That is just how it is, man. And it's an awful thing to say. So I don't feel like sometimes everyone got the support they probably needed. Um, That is my personal opinion. But I think that stems true for a lot of reality TV shows. If you look at what the desired outcome is, it makes sense that they need them people drunk or impressionable or desperate to be famous. As you get older, you start to realise what is good for you and what isn't. Um, and it probably, again, was another one of the reasons why I chose to leave. When I when I had me interviews and stuff for The Jungle, it's the polar opposite. It's such mm. a huge show. It's a massive British institution. It's ITV. 
And it doesn't thrive on dysfunction. It's the polar opposite. It thrives on unity, people coming together, a sense of camaraderie, supporting each other, solidarity, a family feel. If you have someone breaking down in the corner because they weren't mentally fit to be there, because it is a tough show to do, it doesn't work for their brand. So they are particular, they are careful. I know in the my year alone, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way, like there was about three last minute cast adjustments because people weren't deemed mentally strong enough to deal for what was in front of them. Mm-hmm. They are very adamant about like making sure everyone who is in there is strong and capable and going to be fine. So I remember sitting down with the psychologist and I was like, right, I'm just going to tell her the very bare minimum because the last thing I want her doing is like, I was distrustful, typically distrustful of therapists, so ignorant. And I was like, um, (laughs) I'm going to keep her at arm's length, yeah, there's no chance I want this witch doctor woman rummaging around in my head, no way. So I was sitting there and like giving her like very minimal answers, like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, never had an eating disorder, no. Yeah, never had an issue with drink, no, no. I'd say like I have like one or two units a week. No, no, no. Literally, I just chat no, I like that, like lying to our face about my alcohol consumption and that. Not that I've got a problem, but I just was like so yeah. terrified to give up any sort of facts that might affect me going mm. in. And she just looked me dead in the eye. Hairiest <sighs> woman I've ever met in my life, right? And she just fixed us with his gaze and she's like, once you lie to me about anything, you are then a liar. And I have to discount everything you say because I can't. You can't be truthful to me, so I can't give you an accurate, like I, I can't give you an accurate like assessment. So I'll have to go back and just say I know nothing about you. And honestly, Flair, I just crumbled. I just crumbled. I just started blurting stuff out. I was telling her things that weren't even true. I was like, yeah, I have nightmares. Like honestly, I just wanted to tell her. Like, <laughs> I just was saying everything. I went the polar opposite way. She must have thought I was insane. It was the worst thing ever. And I come out and rang the agent. I was like, well, that's it. Like, there's no way I'm going in now. The whole pressure just got to me. But it had to be rigorous. It had to be intense. She had, had to bear me soul to her mm. in order for her to be doing her job properly and for me to to be worthy to go in, to be well enough to go in. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the main reason I, I chose to do it because for all the reasons you said and because you felt supported right from the beginning. And unfortunately, not every reality show out there has the same outlook or the same team or the same, they don't really care too much about the well-being yeah. of the contestants or the people on the show if it means that it will compromise the product rating or the ratings exactly unfortunately you describe the jungle as the magical shift for you and i think we can agree that your defining moment has to be when you won i'm a celebrity oh yeah <laughs> what was the reality of that moment like talk me through what was going through your mind oh honestly it's like the best moment of my life which probably makes the rest of my life sound pretty crap but I I just mean like (laughs) I think I will always chase that high that I got when I I won the jungle because like it had been a pretty rocky road to get me there there's not a judge on I'm a celebrity get me out of here like it's not like Anne just went Vicky's my favorite let's have Mm. her win it it's the general public saying like we absolutely we love you you've entertained her for four weeks and we're accepting you and like that's a big thing. That's a massive, like, what a huge accolade. Like, there's someone who had mm. polarised and been, like, divisive up until then. Like, 
if you were between the ages of 16 to 30, you probably knew who I was. Half of you might have liked us and the other half of you might have thought I was a scumbag. Like, that is literally how it was. But I come out of the jungle knowing that 14 million people, well, something like 95% of 14 million people liked me. That's major. Just ridiculous. Like, that... And it's such an overwhelmingly, like, scary thought, like... I didn't even proper comprehend the magnitude of it at the time. I was just thrilled to ribbons. I was just absolutely buzzing that, like, I'd watched that show for years, seen people win it, idolised, like, Ant and Deck, and then there I was in that position. So it was a defining moment in my career, but also, like, for me as a person as well, it was just huge. And ever since then, I've chased that feeling. I've like, do you know what I mean? Like mm. things like that come along like once in a lifetime, really, don't they? So I've learned to accept that was probably the best thing I'm ever going to do, and everything else is just going to be a bit crap after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were you were determined though when you went into that show because you'd come from Geordie Shaw to just change the narrative, I guess, to let people actually just see you for who you are and not for this character in some ways that was on Geordie Shaw. So that moment that you were standing there and you were like in the final three or final two and they said your name, what what crossed your mind? Did you think, did you even have a moment of going, oh my gosh, this is it, I've, I've done it. Like I've I've changed their minds. And what did you think? So just before the win I was announced, like they sat me and George down like and they're chatting there. And um, George is like, obviously like, God, what would it feel like for you if you won? And George is like, it's been such an amazing experience. Like, honestly, Vicky's been great. Like, if I lost to her, I wouldn't mind. She deserves it. And I was like, I want to win. <laughs> I was like, honestly, George, I wish I could say the same thing. You're a really nice lad. But like, I've come this close now. Like, I haven't got like, I haven't had legions of like teenage girl fans loving me like sending me like madly obsequious messages for years. Like I've had it tough, mate. Yeah. I want to win. <laughs> so all, in, all that was in my head at that moment was like, please say my name, please say my name, please say my name. And that is like such a unattractive thing for me to admit that I wasn't just able to be like super grateful about the experience and be like, God, second place. That's amazing. Like I wanted to win in that moment. And when I did, I lost me mind. And Dex says, I've never seen a, never seen a reaction like it. I was like jumping up and down. I was like a football hooligan, mate. I was like, I was at a football match. I was like running around like grabbing Tony Hadley, like, hey, lads. I went mental, screaming, crying, like, oh my God, I just wanted me mom so much. I remember just saying, God, I want to hug me mom. Like, it was class. The public have spoken, and now it's time to reveal the results. The winner of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here 2015. And the new Queen of the Jungle is ready. thank everyone who voted for us enough. I don't even think I deserve it. <laughs> thank you so much. I love you all. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to try and be cool and downplay it. It was really, really good. So, you know, like, best feeling ever. And I imagine, like, I'll probably feel quite good if I have a baby or something, I'll get married. But, like... <laughs> 
like, I cannot imagine it being any better than that. <laughs> that is hilarious. No one ever admits that. No one ever admits it's the British culture. That's what it is. No one wants to admit that they want to win something. It's almost like you're afraid of coming across as arrogant because you want to you want to do well. But I mean, what? Why? Why should you be arrogant because you want to succeed or you want to achieve something? In America, like it's so different, isn't it? Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah, Team USA, I'm gonna win, and it's so fine. Like that's normalized. Like everyone loves a go-getter attitude. Everyone yeah. really like high five, patty on the back. Like he's a winner right there. But like it, when we do it in the UK, it's like what a tosser. Oh, I, like, yeah. Hang on, like you you can't you can't enter a competition and not be bothered about winning. Taking part's crap. Everyone wants to win. <laughs> Everyone wants to win things. That's why it feels so good. Exactly, it does. It does feel good. <laughs> so now you've you've like lived your life through reality TV, so many different experiences. I mean, you're a completely different person now than you were when you started. What is the realest thing to you right now? What is real to you? I, I've spent probably the last couple of years really looking at what I want and what is important. Um, and it's just being unapologetically me. I have good days and I have bad days. I have hangovers. I get... I look really sweaty after a workout. I don't look perfect. I have bad pack picks. I get mysterious bruises on my legs. Like, I am just a normal person. <laughs> Such a normal yes. person. And I just think actually showing that, owning that, and not being afraid to embrace it is is probably exactly where I'm at now. Um, and I, I, I kind of champion just owning your flaws um, whether it be on social media, whether it be in interviews, whether it be on TV, I do. I want to make women feel good about themselves. Um, and I want them to understand that we're all perfectly imperfect. And that is absolutely fine. Perfect message to end with. Thank Aww. you so much for joining me and being so honest. My pleasure. First, literally like me only setting. <laughs> uh, it's so nice to talk to you. You're so nice. Oh, thanks, Vicky. I love her. I told you she'd tell you the truth. Talking to Vicky helped highlight the bittersweet nature of reality TV. She's achieved so much, but had to sacrifice a lot. Now it's put a smile on my face reading all of your posts on socials about the podcast. Keep them coming using the hashtag reality of reality TV. And you can tag me at Fleur East on Insta, Facebook and Twitter. Do remember to rate, leave a review and subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they come out. I'm on Hits Radio every morning from six and we are dropping fresh new episodes of this podcast every Tuesday. In the next episode, you're going to hear from Britain's Got Talent winners, Perry and Jordan from Diversity. When it comes down to the last two, we're all spudding each other like no one is beating Susan Ball. Like, literally, we're all there like, we're not even listening to Anton Deck anymore at this point. Yeah, I'm just waiting at my mum in the audience. I was yeah, like, like, hiya, I'm on TV. Make sure you're there.